I get done with it. Um, in the middle of that triangle, you see the word love. The base of that triangle, you see the word blood. To the left of that triangle, you see the word grace. To the right of that triangle, you see the word faith. And I'm going to show you how the triangle of love occurred because first of the plan of redemption. And we're going to go into the plan of redemption today, and I'm probably going to share some stuff with you you may have never heard concerning um, the devil um, and concerning how God flipped that from the devil to us. And so um, that's the triangle that we're going to be referring to for the next few weeks. As you stand and honor the reading of God's Word, I want to welcome Chris West into the house today. We're so glad to see you, son. You're a blessing. You're a blessing to us, and I know you're a blessing to your church uh, with Brother Craver. Ephesians 1 and 7 says, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Father, I pray today that you will open our eyes that we can see, our ears that we can hear, and our heart that we can understand what the Word of God says to us. And then as the Word speaks, may we apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. That's what we want, God. That's what we're seeking. That's what we're singing. That's what we're looking for. Jesus, we ask you to speak. Use the Holy Spirit as you promised you would to speak only the things that will come from you that will show us what we need to know, understand, do, and demonstrate. We will receive that word. And then we will reveal and release that word to your people. As we do so, God, we know that your word will change us, transform us, correct us, lead us and guide us into places in the spirit world of which we never dreamed possible, and make us more and deeper and greater in the image of yourself. We give you glory for it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. So today we're going to begin with the steps that define redemption. And you can be seated. We're going to find an absolutely amazing understanding of God's design for man. Now, I don't want to miss anything that I've got to share with you today, because if I do, it will short-circuit your understanding of the plan of redemption. But the plan of redemption is a very great plan. It's an awesome plan. I'm going to show you some things about the devil today you do not know. <laughs> and I doubt if you have ever heard before that are in Scripture for us to understand how this whole thing came apart in the beginning. So remember, God designed man. God made man. God breathed into man. Man became a living soul. And then man chose another God due to his own desires, selfishness. And the question is that we have always asked is, why would Eve fall prey to a serpent? Isn't that a question? Isn't that something that we always think? Why would Eve, knowing what we know about the serpent, ever listen to the serpent? Well, what I want to tell you is, is that the serpent, as we know the serpent today, 
did not become the serpent of that magnitude until Genesis chapter 3 and verse 14. In chapter 3 and verse 14, God said, from this day forward, you're going to crawl upon your belly. And he became the serpent that crawled upon the ground. Prior to that, he was not so. There is something else at the end of that scripture that I think you need to be aware of. Probably never, ever really heard anybody say anything about that has tremendous implications. He said, and you'll eat of the dust of the ground. Why would God say that? Why would that be important? And you would say, well, because he's down on the earth. He's going to crawl around on his belly. Certainly, he would eat of the dust of the ground. But I would take you back to Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 where God said, let us make man in our own image. And then he turned in chapter 2, and he said that he would take the dust of the earth, and he would wrap that image. Notice what I said. He would take the water of the earth, the dust of the earth, and he would wrap that man. And then he would breathe into that man, and that man would become a living soul. Then in Genesis chapter 3, this so-called serpent, appears to Eve and begins to have a conversation with her and begins to tell her of how equality with God is at her fingertips. Now think about that. Equality with God is at her fingertips. I want to tell you something today. Equality with your own God is at your fingertips. Whether you realize it or not, it's at your fingertips as well. The same thing that Adam encountered with a God is at your fingertips. You can become your own God. You can think your own way. You could go your own way. You could do your own thing. You can self-determine what you're going to believe, who you're going to become, what you're going to act like, what you're going to say, how you're going to behave. Everything is at your fingertips to choose, particularly in this day and age in which we live. You can choose what messaging you're going to follow. We saw this week 37 free elected states choose their electorates based on one thing, abortion rights. Think about that. Our country democracy now has fallen down to the place where the ability to choose at your fingertips the longevity of life is at your fingertips. See, we've done the same thing. We have taken the ability to be equal with God, put it at our fingertips and said, that's what's important to us. Nothing else. That's what's important to us. Never understanding that in that importance, 63.6 million babies have already been aborted in 60 years. Do we wonder why Social Security, they tell us, is about to end? How come? Because we've killed our workforce. But yet they've made this a flashpoint message in the day in which we live. And we have chosen to be the God of the moment. That's what Eve did. Eve chose to be the God of the moment. She sacrificed everything she knew and everything she understood to be the God of the moment. And it led to what? They looked around and said, we are naked. We don't have anything that we used to have. We aren't able to do the things. We cannot pr pr produce ourselves in the presence of God any longer because we realize we're naked. Why? 
because we chose the God that was at our fingertip. What a sad thing to be. Here is now Satan, and he stands before God, and God makes a prophecy, two of them. He makes three, but two of them are important to you. The first prophecy that he makes is about what's going to happen to the woman, and that the woman is going to bear a son, a child, and that child is going to bruise Satan's head, and that, that serpent would bruise his heel. Then he goes down and he tells Adam, you're going to grind for the rest of your life and you're going to scrape out of the earth everything that you ever have. Then he goes to Satan and he said, now Satan, you're going to be relegated to crawl upon your belly and you're going to eat the dust from the ground. Now think about that. God made man out of the dust. God made Jesus out of the process of reproduction that started with the dust, Jesus comes to earth, he goes to the cross, he dies, goes through the process that we know as the actions and then replications and re replicates himself in you. And we don't realize that what we are living in is the ability to cause Satan to eat the defeat of Jesus Christ's actions from the cross all the way back to the Godhead. That's what God said to the devil. He said, you are going to be relegated to the control of the man that I'm going to raise up and the people that I'm going to raise up to follow him. You will be relegated to their control, to their word. And from the name of Jesus Christ, every knee, all three worlds bow. So everything that Satan has and possesses is brought under the control of Jesus Christ glory to the Son of God. So here we see God say to them, this is what's going to happen to you. Woman, you're going to birth a child. That child is going to bruise Satan's head. Then we read in the back of chapter 3 where the man of salvation would come in 3.13 and he would wound the house of the wicked and step on the house of the wicked from the foundation to the neck. So what have we got? We've got a man that would come into the world who would be made from the same replication that we saw in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, brought into the world and be from that dirt-dust relationship that would forever, forever, and eternally, everlasting rule over the house of the wicked. Satan didn't realize what he did. Paul said if he'd understood it in 1 Corinthians 2, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Because when that man was crucified, the dust man, the dirt man, the second Adam ruled all of hell and ruled everything that Satan would have his claw in. But mankind still desires to have at the very tip 
of his fingers, his ability to be his own God. Paul told us about that in Galatians chapter 5 when he identified the 17 works of the flesh and whenever he said that out of these 17 works of the flesh were going to come three things. There was going to come the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Why would it be those three things? Because those three things are the very thing that caused Satan to fall. Now, what we want to see today is we want to see that Eve did not see the serpent as he was defined in Galatians chapter 3. Uh, he, as, as Jesus defined him in, in Genesis, rather, chapter 3 and verse 14. Because the Bible said that the Hebrew looked at this serpent and referred to him as the shining one. They referred to him as a one that when you would see his appearance, his appearance would be such that it would be striking, that it would be beautiful. And so Eve sitting there by the tree and this shining one shows up and he begins to tell her how she can be equal with God. Now watch this in Ezekiel chapter 28 verses 12 through 15, very daring scripture. Son of man, take up a lamentation, and this is a comment to the dead, and I want you to get it. It's a comment to the dead, and I'll show you why. Upon the king of Tyus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum. In other words, the Lord God said to this king of Tyus, We, you, have stopped and closed up everything where you are concerned. Now look. He was full of wisdom and beauty. So this is the man that Eve saw. I'll show you more in a minute. This is the man that is referred to who now becomes brought to a complete and a full stop. Where? In portals of glory. Show it to you in just a minute. He became dead in the portals of glory. He no longer existed in the portals of glory, but his cunning abilities, his wisdom, and his beauty remained. And so as we go into the next verse, look what it says. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Now I want you to watch this because this becomes very important. He said, so you in fact are the one who was in the garden of, of God with great wisdom and great beauty. Eve didn't look down and see that ugly, terrible-looking serpent that crawls upon the ground. She saw something of wisdom and something of beauty, something that would turn the eye. Now, I want to tell you this right now. Listen very carefully. That's how all, each and every one of you got into sin. You saw something that turned your eye. Something turned your eye and said, I want that. I like that. That looks good to me. That looks better than what I've got. So you, like Eve, at your fingertips made a determination to choose something that you thought had wisdom and something that you thought had beauty. Now, the alcoholic goes to the alcohol not because of any other reason other than he thinks that the alcohol produces in him that different person. It makes him someone different than what he is. It makes him more free. 
I remember one time I was chosen. Didn't know where I was going, but I was made to be the designated driver. Didn't have a clue where I was. Didn't know why I was going there. But my coaching buddies all said, we're going on a little car trip and you need to be the driver. I said, why will I need to be the driver? They said, because you ain't going to drink. I said, you right on that. So I went with them and found out that it was one of my coaching buddies' birthdays. They went down from where we were about 60 miles to the next nearest town, and they went into this place, and we had a dinner, and then they started doing this middle-of-the-area dancing deal. One of our coaches, who was really a mild-mannered dude, got saved later on. I looked out on the floor, and he was totally out of his mind. He couldn't dance a drop. They were doing line dancing. He was so drunk, and he was so out of his mind. The beat meant nothing to him. He was just out going crazy on the floor. What a change from the mild-mannered guy I knew because he'd gotten something into himself that changed his person. It altered him. Why? Because he saw something that he said, that'll make me different than who I am. And that's what the world has done. That's what you've done. That's what every sinner has done. That's what the world is doing right now. We're seeking something that makes me different than what I am. So what are we seeking? Well, we are seeking someone else's land. That'll make me different than what I am. We are seeking someone else's money. That'll make me different than what I am. We are seeking someone else's country. That'll make me different than what I am. We are seeking someone else's child. That'll make me different than what I am. We are seeking control over other people's rights, human rights. You know, we call it human trafficking. That'll make it different than what I am. See, our world is seeking after things that make it different than what I already have. And if it will help me become more supposedly in control of what I think I need and make me feel better than I do now, then that's what I want. It's a shining, gleaning a penny that lays on the floor and just begs you to pick it up. Just pick it up. You'll be worth more if you pick it up than you were before. And so the world goes after this shining beauty of whatever sin has become that came directly out of the wisdom and the beauty of Satan. Now watch. So Satan here, now watch this says that every precious stone was thy covering. What a word. Every precious stone was thy covering. Now, you go through all of those stones there, and you will see that in Satan was absolute beauty. He was made to be beautiful. He was covered in all of the beauty that heaven had. He was covered in such a way that he could walk in and around the fire that was around the throne room of God. Stones protected him from everything. His role was to be a guardian angel where he stood to protect God. Now I'm going to show you why Satan fell in just a moment, so just hang in there. But I want you to notice that Satan was covered with every precious stone. He was absolutely the most beautiful thing, and that's what Ezekiel saw in him. He was beauty, beautiful, and he had great wisdom. Now watch. There was nothing in him that lacked. 
He had everything he ever needed. He had all of the communication ability. He had all of the protection ability. He had all of the singing ability. He had everything you could ever imagine in someone that was not God. How did he get them? Now, this is where it gets beautiful. They were manufactured in him. They were manufactured in him. Look at that. Look what the word said. The workmanship. Do you see that word? That word workmanship means manufacturing. They were manufactured by God. Who is the one that manufactured this? It was Jesus Christ, who is the creator. He made him everything he was. He gave him and covered him in everything he needed to be in the heavenly domain and to walk in front of the throne room of God through the fiery stream and protect God. And so he would walk through the fiery stream with all of these beautiful articles that covered his body. And when he would raise his voice to sing, it would be like a choir, a tabernacle choir, begin to open their mouth. And that, that, that voice would come out and it would ring through the portals of glory. And it was of such beauty. And they would worship and they would minister. But the problem was they were not ministering and worshiping to him. He was manufactured to be someone who would minister in such a way that the people, the beings, the spirits would worship the one on the throne. Think about that. That's what made him angry because the worship wasn't coming to him. But yet he was manufactured for the intent purpose of being able to minister, to be seen, to be a protector, to be one in the presence of the throne room of God. What a man. And we look at Eve and we say, how could Eve ever, ever, ever be deceived by such as, as, as a serpent? Well, she wasn't. She was deceived by someone who was the shining one, who could operate in witchcraft, who was fallen from heaven, and thereby, as he began to speak, certainly with his beauty and his wisdom, she would say, well, uh, maybe you make sense to me. Maybe you are saying that what God is doing is denying me. He's denying me of the ability to be like God. He's denying me of the opportunity to be like him because at my fingertips is a tree that he said do not go into. And so therefore, if I go into it, according to your word, I'll be like God and I will have the ability to operate in the wisdom and beauty of God. And therefore, I will be equal with God. Well, there they are. The Bible says that she ate and she gave it to Adam. Adam ate. And all of a sudden, they look up and realize that they are naked. They are absolutely naked. Now, I want to go back to this covering issue because I think it's important. We have to relate a scripture now. How this covering concerns you and me. How this plan of redemption changed you and me. And we go no further than Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. Because in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, we see something happening at the ministry from the ministry of Paul that you need to realize because we see the word workmanship. Do you see it there? For we are his workmanship. Why is that important? Because the devil was of the same workmanship. The devil was built and covered 
but the devil's covering was not equal to the covering that would come from the dust. Now think about that. The devil's covering was not equal to the covering that would come from the dust because out of the devil's covering, there was only sardis and carbuncle and gold and things of that nature. There were many stones that covered him. But when Jesus Christ came through the prophecy from Genesis chapter 3 and was birthed by Mary, and the angel said, we now have Emmanuel, God, with us. And Luke 2, the angel said, we have the Lord Jesus Christ with us. All of a sudden, dust became something that the devil had never counted on. Dust became greater than the stone. As a matter of fact, dust became the cornerstone. Dust became the cornerstone. When the cornerstone came, I want you to know he began to manufacture something. What did he manufacture? Look at the scripture. The scripture says that he, we, we are manufactured in Christ Jesus. Now think on that a second. You are manufactured to be in Christ Jesus. Now Paul said that we are in Christ Jesus and that he is in us the hope of glory. So as we see what Jesus did, there was a man created once upon a time named Satan. He was covered only in stones. Those were earthly stones. They were stones of creation that you would find in the earth. But when Jesus came, he made a man out of dust that would be covered by the blood of the cornerstone. And the blood of the cornerstone would redeem man once and for all from the curse that Satan befell upon Adam and Eve and said, you now have at your fingertips the ability to know God, to be in the power of God, to be in the presence of God, to be in the hope of God. You are now a lively hope made by the righteousness of Jesus Christ, redeemed of the blood of the Lamb that brings you to the riches of His almighty grace. Glory to God. What a blessing, my friends. We now are covered by what Jesus Christ has done in us. What does that do for us? Jesus said in John 14, 15, 16, and 17 that it includes four tremendous blessings. He said he'll give you peace. You'll have peace with God. What a wonderful thing to know. I can be at peace with God. I'm not fighting God. I'm not arguing with God. I'm not trying to do anything more than obey God and live in prosperity. Someone said, now are you preaching money? No, 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 and no. I am preaching the peace of God that brings the prosperity of the acts and replications of Jesus Christ into your life. Now know that. Then he said, I will bring you my joy. I am preaching the joy of the Lord that allows you 
to go in and out of the throne room of God and there to find grace and mercy to help in time of need. That's the message of Jesus Christ. That's the covering of which you live in. You don't have to go around mad, upset, disappointed, disheartened, disgruntled, disgusted. You don't have to go around acting a fool. You don't have to go around feeling down and mully grub about yourself. The Word of God said, I have given you through this cornerstone, through this blood, my joy. Glory to God. I can live in the world and have complete peace in my mind. I can live in the world and prosper in joy. That's what he's saying. You'll have peace and joy. You will prosper in joy. You will prosper in a love that transcends anything you'll ever know. You can prosper in the joy of knowing the God of the universe has been the manufacturer of your inner man, has made you to be who he is and has given you the ability to function in his name you can prosper and be in joy because of that what a blessing my friend yes oh yes oh yes there is power in the blood there is power in the name of Jesus there is power in his presence my friend then he said the next thing he said I've given you prosperity to function in joy by the spirit of truth. So you not only will have prosperity, peace, that will bring about a prosperity of joy, but it will bring about a prosperity of joy because the Spirit of the Lord is leading you. The Spirit of the Lord is giving you a walk. That's what Paul said in Ephesians 2.10, that you would be fit, obtain, or be fit with an advantage in advance that you would be able to walk in the Spirit of God. What a covering we have, friend. See, Satan didn't have that. As a matter of fact, he got the left foot of fellowship and got booted out of hell, it got, because of his foolishness. And there he was cast down, cast out, went into a world and utterly destroyed the world, the place that he was the prince of the power of the air. And Jesus came along as the man in the Godhead, the Godhead came along and totally redefined and redescribed earth. And we read about it in Genesis chapter 1. And placed man in the earth. And man was to rule the earth. But man fell in with the shining one. Thank God we fell in with a greater one. Glory to God. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Thank God we fell with one that says, as I am, so are you in this world. Thank God we fell in with one that said, if you will worship me in spirit, you'll find me in truth, and I will manifest myself to you. Thank God we fell in with a greater one. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. So here he stands now and he says, I'm manufacturing in you. What else is he ain't yet? He said, I'm giving you the prosperity of peace that will lead you to prosperity of complete joy that will bring you into the spirit of truth. And then Jesus says the capstone. He says that not only is he the cornerstone, but he gives you the capstone. He said, I'm going to give you my glory. Think about that. I'm going to give you my glory. I'm going to give ability to have in you living day by day, moment by moment, hour by hour, in your spirit, ready for you to touch 
at your desire, ready for you to use that name at the moment whenever that name is required, able for you to say, greater is he in me and my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. He said, I'm going to give you my glory. I'm going to give you mercy. I'm going to let grace indwell you. I'm going to give you long suffering and I'm going to cause kindness and I'm going to cause truth to be in you to such an extent that you will begin to honor the God of the universe, that you will begin to walk in praise before me. I have covered you in worship. I have covered you in my power. I have covered you in my presence, and I am covering you in my presentation, for you will go with me and be to me a witness under this world, telling the world of the covering that changed you not the covering of sin but the covering of the salvation of God where the angels of God are released upon all those that are the heirs of salvation that's who he is that's what he's done we've been manufactured to that that's been put in us as our DNA I remember years ago my mother and I can't go much longer today I don't think but I remember years ago, my mother wrote a message called Dust and DNA. Dust and DNA. I looked at the topic and I said, Mom, what is that? She said, read it. There was a little man that came to Jesus Christ. and He was blind. The Word of God said that Jesus looked at him and he spat upon the earth. And he picked up the dust. And he put the dust in his hand spat on his hand, rubbed the dust in the DNA. And when he rubbed the dust in the DNA, he took the dust, the dust that Satan crawls in, that Satan has to eat because he created blindness. But there was a dust and there was a DNA that was composed by a new manufacturer. He took the old ingredient and he did not change it. He did not change it. He didn't make the old thing better, in other words. He transformed it. He took it and threw it apart, threw all the pieces on the ground, and then he took new dust and new DNA, and he put them together. And the Bible said he looked up, and he put it on the eyes of the blind man, new dust and new DNA. And when the eyes of the blind man were opened, he said, what do you see? He said, I see trees. Have a little bit more. He put the dust and the DNA on those eyes, and the Bible said his eyes were open, and he began to see. My friend, that's what's happened to you and me. We've been changed by the dust of a Redeemer, and we've been brought into the life of the blood, the new DNA that's in Jesus Christ. And we've been given the ability to have him live on the inside of us as the Redeemer and have us be covered by a new manufacturer. That means we are transformed into something we have never been before, into something we could have never been had it not been for a cornerstone, a redeemer who was brought to life and lived and died and brought us into new dust by different DNA. Thank God for it.
Bow and close your eyes. Now, my friend, that dust and DNA is as relevant. That dust and DNA is as workable. That dust and DNA is as true today as it has ever been. That dust and DNA will change, transform you. We are the testimony this morning of a woman who has been transformed by the power of God. Who went from being someone, everybody in town, you would say, such and such, oh yeah, you mean that woman that walked, yeah, that, the woman with the dog, yeah, yeah, yeah. She transformed. How did it happen? How did it happen? Because there was a cornerstone that remanufactured her. Her apart, put her back together, set her on her feet to walk and be fit in advance to walk in a path that would expose the love of Jesus Christ who bought us back by his own blood and then remanufactured us and made us something we could never be. If you don't know Jesus Christ today, I want you to know him. Where you are, sit and say this prayer. Father, forgive me, I'm a sinner. I took a hold of the shining thing. I took a hold of that shining thing. Whatever that shining thing is, you name it in your heart. I took a hold of it. Today, I want to turn that shining thing new, loose. And I want to take on a greater thing. I want to take on the greater one. I want to take on the greater one. Not the shining one, but the greater one. So forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my selfishness. Forgive me of my ability to follow after things that I thought was important. But now I see that those things are not important because those things are leading me to a road of destruction and nakedness. So forgive me, God. I receive Jesus Christ today. I have him into my heart. I change teams. Transform me and put him on me today. A robe of righteousness. I take it. I will serve God. Then there are those of you that are sitting in these seats today. Who... There are some shiny things you've picked up too. There are some shiny things you've picked up too. You've picked up sometimes thought processes that you know aren't good for you. You've picked up some things in your relationships that you know aren't good for you. You've picked up a love for things that are shiny and pretty to you, but you know in your spirit, man, they are not good for you. You know that. You know that. So here's what I'm telling you. Put down those shiny things. Put down those shiny things. How do I do it, Pastor? Well, it's as simple as what I preached. Be manufactured by the cornerstone. Let him cover you. How do I do it? Say, Lord, forgive me. I repent of that. And you have an advocate with the Father through Jesus Christ the righteous. That he will not only forgive you, but that he will pray the Father on your behalf and your slate.
will be clean. Now, is the devil going to come back and say, well, what about, what about, what about, what about, what about? You know this, you did that, you did the other. No, 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 devil. I resist you. It's my responsibility now to resist you. I must resist your lies. You were a shining one, but I am releasing my life, my thoughts, my hopes to the greater one who has defeated and destroyed you, who has brought you down, and now you are under his feet. Yeah, I'm going after the greater one. I am drawing near to God with the promise that he is drawing near to me. My friends, I have a promise today from the throne room of God. Resist the devil. Just simply put the devil in his place. Where is his place? Let me tell you where it is. It is under the feet of Jesus. You take him there. Because he will realize when he gets there that that is the place that God said he would be. He'll be under your feet. He will be under the feet of Jesus. You will be under the lordship of Jesus. And therefore, he will be under your feet. Take him there. Because he knows where God said he would have to go. Father, I praise you today. As I pray for these people, I pray that the four things you promised will manifest in them. Peace, prosperity of peace, prosperity of joy, prosperity of the spirit of truth, and prosperity of the glory of God in Jesus Christ will come into their life and that they will learn to walk in that prosperity. And while learning, they will stand and control the devil out of their mouth with the power of the name of Jesus at the ready. And as they draw near to you, your spirit will so involve itself in their spirit that they will be lifted into a new place of power, a new place of your presence, and then have a new ability to present Jesus Christ in their world. If you receive it, stand and lift your hand and say, Father, I receive this today. I take it into my heart. I receive it. My pastor asked that the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ would speak to me and tell me what I needed to know, do, understand, and demonstrate. So today, you have demonstrated yourself in my spirit. I understand what you are saying to me. Now I will do what the Holy Spirit has quickened in heart for me to do. I will receive it. And I will release it out of my mouth, both into the heavenly realm of glory, praise, honor, and worship, and into the earthly and the realm of hell that tells the devil, shut up, you're a liar. You were the shining one, but I am operating out of the greater one. And in the name of Jesus, 
I'm drawing closer to God and he's drawing closer to me. We take today in the name of Jesus Christ who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Give the Lord a great hand clap of praise. For those of you on Facebook, YouTube, and Lift Him High Radio, if you followed along and prayed that prayer, I want you to get into the Word of God, get yourself into a church that is preaching the truth, and follow along with us. Or if you're in the area, come and be with us. We would love to have you at Family Fellowship Chapel. One thing I can guarantee you is we'll preach truth, and the Word of God will be at the exact paramount position to be able to educate you in the ways of God. Father, I pray that you bless those people that are listening, minister in their lives. Touch those that need touched. I sense in my spirit that someone out there is not well, and I want to tell you, in the name of Jesus, I speak healing into your life. I speak it. And the angels of God are being released as Jesus is praying for you to heal you. Receive it. Walk in it. Be well. God loves you. Jesus died for you to have it. May God richly bless you is my prayer. My friends, may God bless you is my prayer. Thanks to each one of you that have come this way. May God bless you and keep you until we have the opportunity to minister again. God bless. Remember 6 o'clock tonight, Facebook. And then Sunday, Wednesday evening at 7, uh, 6.45, 7 o'clock for our Bible study. May God bless you is my prayer.